Welcome to Pop Culture Cake. Hey, we're here with Adam. Hey, guys, this is Adam. Dane. Hi, this is Dane. And our actual host, Steve. Wow. Did I? Well, I mean, I mean, wow. the thing is, you 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 tried how many intros? We had to we I, had to step. No, in. I really did. I I'm out of practice. We're like we're we're five intros in, my boys. Well, here's the thing. Steve was in Germany for six weeks. He's been doing some stuff. He's been doing some things. And so you know he's rusty, and that's okay. We're all valid. Everyone's valid. Everything's everything. Everyone's beautiful. Everything's great. Can we can we start every episode of Pop Culture Cake with just a few words of affirmation for ourselves and our listeners? Yeah. Hey, listener. Look, listener. Look at me. Yeah. Look listener. At me. Singular. Single person who listens. Ben. Ben. Yeah. If you're listening. <laughs> start calling out specific <laughs> listeners. <laughs> look at me. You're valid. You're wonderful. You deserve the space that you occupy. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And now I'm going to shit on a whole bunch of other people's artistic creations. <laughs> yeah, Angela, if you're listening, <laughs> it doesn't look as good as you think it does, but no one is going to say that to your face. But you're still valid. You're still valid, but I think you should probably go back. Oh my God. You there is no Angela. You should go back to Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> and just ask for your job back. Oh my God. Okay. Steve. <laughs> okay. So, uh, hi, everyone. Today's episode of Pop Culture Cake is going to deal with the new and free, for those of you that pay money for Netflix, comedy special by Bo Burnham, <laughs> Inside. And so, I'm definitely recycling the joke from one of the scrapped intros. We got some OG bozos on the call. And so, let's go around a little bit. Let's talk about our Bo Burnham exposure. What do we. Did we know what we could expect from Bo Burnham's return to the comedy special medium? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been watching Bo Burnham since YouTube when he was like on his piano as a child. And I saw him do YouTube live. I think the one year that they did it. And I'm pretty sure he was underage and Katy Perry hit on him and like jokingly for the stage, but still kind of weird in hindsight. And I also watched Make Happy kind of when it came out. So this all kind of falls in line. Also, if you've ever heard Bo Burnham talk and in interviews and stuff, he's a very, not divisive, I wouldn't say, but he has opinions. And generally, I would agree with, with him on a lot of things. He's like one of the things that, he meant, that he's talked about is that the internet is too free in a lot of ways. Like where we have, you know, he also directed and I'm pretty sure he directed and wrote this movie called, I want to say Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade. Yes. Dealing with like you know what it's like to be a child or a kid in the modern era and this 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 in today's age and he talks about how it's like it's a dangerous space and we are maybe too casual with how we allow our youth to engage with it and it's a an interesting thing I mean he's a very particular very he's one of those one of those artistic types who are in in many ways the way that I look at it who's very 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 serious about his craft and because of that he's he also has or maybe it's because of of this that he's so particular but he has a very self-destructive lean towards him uh perfectionist type mentality so when i saw that it was called inside and just within the first five minutes of the the special i was like oh i'm going to be feeling a lot of things at the end of this so dana how, how, how do you know bo yeah, I think we've probably been listening to Bo for just about as long. Uh, I also was familiar with his YouTube. I think the first song I ever heard by him was New Math, 
and that put me down the rabbit hole. I, I purchased some of his first CDs before he even did the stand-up stuff. Actually, when he did the stand-up stuff, I was going. I was in college, and he actually performed at my school. And I waited in line like two hours, and I got like a front row seat to see Bo Burnham perform live. And you kind of get a sense for how tall he is in inside, just how because of how big he is in the room. He's six five. Like the guy is massive. What? And he was just sitting at this. Yeah, he's six five. He was like uh, sitting at the piano on stage and he was like, like hunkering over it. Like he was just insanely tall and he had some fun banter with the audience. And hey, he was just, he's, his improv is, is really good. I've seen all of his specials. As for inside, it was really interesting, it, you know, because Bo and I are around the same age. I think he's a little younger than me, actually, but I'm pretty sure we're both born in 1990. And it's been very interesting how some of his opinions in his work have kind of evolved at the same level as mine. So like earlier stuff, he kind of, you know, didn't get too political with it, but I think inside has, uh, got more political and in inside. And, and uh, I've read in some reviews before about it, that uh, this might be the, the best thing to come out of the pandemic. And uh, I'm really glad we got this out of the pandemic because it's really difficult with Bo to tell where the acting begins. Like, cause he has a persona on stage and like where the real him ends or begins. And I, but I do, I do where I think there's some concern for his mental health just because he stopped doing shows for about five years. He was having like breakdowns on like anxiety attacks on stage. So um, I'm really glad that we still have him and that he was able to just create what I think is a incredible work of art. And, uh, hey, what about you, Adam? Ha! Oh no. So my exposure to Bo Burnham is minimal. In fact, I would go so far as to say I've seen very little of his comedy outside of, and forgive me, you know, everyone, Parks and Rec. Oh my he gosh. Was a, he was a bit character on Parks and Rec, but boy, oh boy, was what he a, an amazing one. What a bit character, though. He, he His role on that show was to play the stereotypical young country singer. And the line I remember most was he was writing a song and he was like, you bring the beer, I'll bring the girls and the troops will bring the freedom. And I was like, nailed it. I, That's, uh, crushed it. <laughs> didn't that character like freak out about the wrong kind of Lunchables being brought yes, to him? Yes, yes. Was... He, he, he abused his father character, who was his like, personal assistant for bringing him the wrong kind of lunchable yeah so i didn't follow up on his career at all but my god in those brief moments was like okay so this guy's like really funny he knows what he's doing yeah so actually that's a really good i think that's a good segue talking a little bit about what dane mentioned is the idea of the persona or the perbona if you will oh god uh, uh he i think addresses it in the special like in that way like the court jester can say whatever they want or the court jester is the only one who can speak the truth right that like somehow him saying like this is a cry for help in a previous special everyone's like oh my goodness bo keep pushing that envelope but like yeah but, he also, but, but he's he, like actually crying for help but he's yeah it also yeah. he also does that make happy yeah right i mean in the final song of make happy which is like a oh, an homage to yeah. kanye west style rants at the end of his shows he says a line about how he loves the audience but he hates the audience and how he can hope how he hopes that he can provide them what he can't provide himself which mm -hmm. is to be happy mm -hmm. well so forgive me but does he sort of remind you of robin williams in this regard 
Yeah, but in a way that he says it. Like, I think one of the real tragedies of Robin Williams is that we only, I don't know, I didn't, like, obsessively stalk him or anything like that, FBI. But I think part of the tragedy was that, like, everyone did that stupid, trite saying of, like, oh, he seemed so happy. Everything was fine. He had everything. Right. Oh, Whereas yeah, Bo is like, yeah. I consistently suffer from depression and anxiety. And in this comedy special, he literally is like, I was suffering panic attacks and I stopped doing shows. Mm. And I think also Robin Williams is from a different generation. You true, know, he is in retrospect, you can look at a Robin Williams and see like, oh, this manic level of mm-hmm. comedy is a projection of happiness to, you know, shell the pain that he feels. But Bo Burnham is very upfront about his issues with himself, with the things that he doesn't like. I mean, like that Parks and Rec character that he did. There's a song that he has where he like he lambasts country music. Yes. Before that. Yeah, uh, there is. Yeah. Yeah. And he also talks about he I mean, he's just a this is I think what what is a, what is good about Bo Burnham in many ways is that there is very little subtext in that he just i think inside represents maybe the most subtext but that a lot of even and even then a lot of what he's trying to say he just says you know there isn't so much of a you have to read between the lines here in that there are definitely ways that he's leading you to these to those realizations with the supporting parts of the song that are more comedy geared but he never leaves like his quote unquote thesis statement unsaid. It is baked into the delivery of the bit. Like even even an inside the by the way, spoilers, I guess. Always, uh, always spoilers. <laughs> even an inside there's that there's a song where he has a puppet and he's talking about performative wokeness, I suppose. And and, it, and it's like it's 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 all connected, right? Even like the white girl basic yeah, white girl. The Instagram white woman's song. Instagram. Yeah, I mean, all of that is is critiquing varying levels of performative care and support by less marginalized groups without, I don't think, being being mean or cruel. Again, I'm not a, a woman or, or white, so I don't really know how the general reaction to that song was, but it, it didn't seem any more harsh than anyone else has ever been. It didn't, de- I don't think it, it folk, it chose to like dehumanize them as people just to highlight the fact that if your black square is, you know, prefaced by no amount of support or care or focus towards the thing that the black square was supposed to communicate and is followed by none of that, it's a little incongruous, right? Maybe not indicative of a, a deeper sense of concern for the thing that the thing that you are posting for others' benefit or your own benefit. I mean, I feel a lot of connection to Bo, right? I mean, I don't think I'm 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 nearly as clever as he is, but the kind of melancholy that he can put out at the and usually near the end of his specials, I think always hits me in in a, in a, in a particular kind of way. Kind of like BoJack Light, you know, where BoJack, I just, BoJack Horseman, I feel that same kind of connection. It's not making the same type of critiques by any means, but BoJack is like really stressful for me. It's hard to watch that show, but Bo Burnham, I can kind of like engage in that self-flagellation without it being crushing. Right, because BoJack Horseman is just, it feels like a swift kick to the testicles, only the pain never goes away. 
you know, like it just lingers for hours afterwards. You never quite feel like yourself. I almost feel like it. It doesn't capture the pain of the blow to the genitals, but it captures the like awful stomach ache feeling that follows. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. But the point is, is it sounds like Bo Burnham, by contrast, has this very deep visceral connection with the audience, even though he's ostensibly doing satire. So I think Bo Burnham specials have sort of two climaxes. There is, because Bo Burnham, like in his infancy, I feel like worked in a sort of Stephen Lynch, zany song, maybe parodic space, parody space, right? He was doing parodies. He was doing parodies. Yeah. And so he, in the special, does a really good job of capturing the essence of all of these stupid forms of like YouTube stuff, right? The like single influencer thank you video, the game streaming, and just the reaction video. Like all these things that I absolutely hate. And he just captures the feeling of them, even though the content is sort of twisted to the absurd. So like, that is all good, right? So like every one of his specials, I feel like if I saw the song list, I could point to one and be like, that was an awesome parody, right? Like in Make Happy, it's the the country song one. It is extremely, in my opinion, well-written. It is funny in a way that is not make, that is not like punching down, but is also kind of insightful even in being kind of irreverent and funny which i think is really really awesome then there's the emotional climax and that's usually closer to the end i think you can see that maybe in the kanye rant i actually like it in the track that follows that i don't know if it counts as like the bonus track but on a scale of one to zero are you happy you're on your own so here's you should look it up it's very very good it breaks my heart every time i hear it and then similarly here we had some really good sort of parody satirical sardonic songs like welcome to the internet i think is what it's called is a really really good one it's like the single i guess from the comedy special all over youtube very good and then again there were like several emotional climaxes to the special and i thought that that was i think it's sort of a distillation of form that like if he can just make this a special instead of something he has to reproduce on stage he was able to just do the like the Eat the center brownie only every single time. I see time, what you're saying. Right? Yeah. So I have a, I actually have a question about that. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't see the special, is this like a close? Like, did he do it in front of a live audience, or is this just something he performed it's, and scripted? And it's in you know. like his attic recording studio apartment thing, like a kitchenette and a bathroom and a room with a bed. And but he doesn't have an audience in no, front of him. It's not no. like he okay. he recorded the whole thing himself on like a camera on a tripod and there's actually really good like there's the montage so or I, I don't know what you'd call it a montage but like interspersed through the songs and bits are just clips of him setting it up and or tearing it down and or like trying to get the lighting cues to go the right way it's almost like a one-man show it's exactly a one-man show it literally okay, yeah. was one one man right right i was just i yeah. didn't in my mind, it was like a stand-up special, and I'm yeah. now learning yeah. that was incorrect. Yeah, it's well, also it's also right. filmed it's also filmed throughout the pandemic, so you see his his visual like his his appearance change throughout time. Like he grows his hair, his beard gets bigger, etc. And also the room gets progressively more messy. You know, as he's continuing to use just that space as I think the the set. Yeah. It gets more cluttered 
and and as the as the special gets more intense that's just leading towards that that climax something i wanted to something that i had noticed or i had read on somewhere on the internet and did i'm so sorry i did definitely didn't notice this i had read on the internet was that one of his songs five there are the the i forget the name of what you would call the piano keys the notes i suppose the the notes that he's hitting they spell out the word dead and it's i think it's i think it's the word it's 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 where he's like welcome go back he's talking about going back inside i think and it's like it's weirdly connected to being dead inside not weirdly, but I think that's it. the thing about Bo is that also he's very because, like I mentioned, he's very particular. He's very specific. It's not. It's not. It's not likely that it's an accident, you know. Right. Uh, no, he definitely put that there deliberately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's there. There are. I, I know this. This is kind of in contradiction to what I said earlier. There are definitely layers there, but I think that stuff is more maybe Easter eggy as opposed to specific to the message. Right, because, I mean, based on my very admittedly limited exposure to him, his satire is directly in your face. Like, it doesn't pull punches. It tells you exactly what it's saying. Like, to your point, I was never confused about what he was talking about. I know he what, what he was criticizing. Right. I think it would you would almost have to be in, you'd almost have to listen to the songs in bad faith to not to not kind of know what he's speaking about or what he's criticizing. Which I'm sure people have done, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so many people consuming any number of media that there is no way to avoid that. Hey, look, a theme from the special. Yeah. What, consuming media? Well, so, uh, sort of tangential to it, but he, in one, I, I guess it counts as a song. I don't know, the line between, like, song and, and musical uh, I think the term, I think uh, there's a term for it, like, being a lyricist, where you're just, music is in the background of, and you're just kind of telling a story. Yeah, I don't. But so there's one where he talks about like, when is, when are people going to try to cancel me? Or like, when am I going to be held accountable for things I did? Cause like he made uncouth jokes in the beginning of his career, as many comedians have done. And he has this sort of weird moment where he's like, is anyone going to come for me over these things? Why hasn't anyone come for me over these things? Probably because he's been quiet. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's uh, it's hard to say, but he does talk about it. It's it's almost out of it's almost out of, from a place of like frustration, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. you know some of his oldest still listed videos are you know fourteen years ago, so he was a youth coming up in the beginning of the of the YouTube sphere, and yeah. as we come to find out, you know, times change, what's acceptable changes, and Bo is not an exception to that. You know. But I also feel like I, I can't think of anything Bo's ever said that felt mean. Like he said some mean things. Oh well, it just means it wasn't targeted at always... you. Listen, uh, well, listen to oh, listen to Obo again. Yeah, and tell me I, and tell me and tell me that there is not. Yeah, problematic. Got, I was gonna say you you talked about new math, right? And I would ask you, Dane, how do you trace a scatter plot? Yeah. Yep. I mean, Bo. I mean, even even in, even Bo. I mean, in that song, Bo highlights the things that he. I think yeah. that, you know, some at least some of them, right? Which is, I think, interesting. He's not. He's not unwilling to. I don't think, it, and it's never been. It's never been the case. Bo's always been willing to criticize himself. I mean, you know, as a function of that type of artist, you know, something I've something I've always thought about. Kind of a tangent from this is like the interest in an artist is maybe directly correlated to the amount of suffering that they're going through like people are maybe less interested in van gogh 
if he wasn't struggling with a litany of issues, right? There's that tortured aspect to art that provides, you know, some type of value or schadenfreude. Okay. I mean, I see what you're trying to say with that, but I mean, can you think of any opposite examples? Because I agree, like there's definitely a lot of deriving value in art from suffering but like unfortunately my brain immediately goes like yeah but taylor swift is really popular so yeah but taylor swift i mean even let's i mean we can use taylor swift as an example even taylor swift taylor swift's art is about like the things her most popular songs are about her struggles with relationships and her struggles with media well right? yeah but her perception they, is that is that actual well, okay the media stuff yes but like the relationship stuff is that truly well I, mean, I think i think you come she comes at it from this the early art right is very controlled and as she starts to gain some control obviously there's that whole scandal about her masters but you right. start to some control over her message you know she's talking about these relationship stuffs so maybe lower on the spectrum but important to her nonetheless they cause her some amount of grief and then people's reactions to that and her reaction to that reaction and her seemingly like inability to and look, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but I'm also not a huge Taylor Swift hater. No, I'm just I'm just using yeah, her, her as an example of that her, her doesn't seeming, seem tortured. Her seeming, her, I think, what it with the way to look at it is her seeming the the seemingly her inability to let go of that reaction. She'll make a song where she's owning it, and it's it's she, she's gonna shake it off. She's gonna shake it off, and then maybe the next big single is about is like tinged with frustration with that same reaction so maybe maybe my problem is i'm conflating the tone of her music the beats and sounds of her music with the message of her music maybe that's my problem so and i think it's partly because taylor swift is actually like a the forward-facing agglomerate of several large corporate interests right like right so it it it's like scientifically cobbled together it's like frankensteinian it is like oh we need for this next album we need a song that is like happy and will play on the like dance club circuit or whatever and we want one to appeal to lonely tweens and we want one to that like bitter recently broken up with people are gonna like right and it's i don't want to i don't want to i guess i don't want to diminish Taylor Swift's ability to control her message either. I mean, I just, because look, at some point there are diminishing returns on, there are diminishing yeah. returns for, on the circular nature of her reaction, like the, the singles of her music that are in relation to her relationship with media and with uh, not media, but with like media outlets or her mm-hmm. fan base. And I think it doesn't benefit her to continue to make those songs and she still does long term i mean obviously she gets millions of views millions of dollars but you know for every time she does it more and more people are catch on to the nature of it you know and they're like well you said you were shaking it off and it's not going to bother you well but you're still clearly bothered well i think part of the issue there is just for every person that awakens to this matrix-like illusion probably several million individuals grow up enough to appreciate the easily digestible Taylor Swift themes. And I don't want to like shit on her as an artist. Like she does, I believe, write most, if not all of her music currently and is a spectacular like dancer and singer 
and like all of that is really good and i totally i'll fully, I'll f- I'll fully handbrake on the dancer thing i don't <laughs> i can't fucking dance like that uh, one of her gimmicks is that she's not a good dancer yeah but like she i guarantee that she still spends a shitload of time rehearsing and i respect that True. okay well yeah but that's because you value the concept of investing of time and art no like, exactly like, doesn't mean she's doing mean she's actually job. good right. okay right and like her like she is an entertainer and she is entertaining people at by like yeah. singing and oh, dancing yeah, she, and and being and pretty that. and being blonde or whatever but i will say it's just for every one person that goes away at least a dozen are going to be like oh i'm now old enough to appreciate a taylor swift song and then boom right. they have more right. ads it, or more ads and that's the, that's the thing is i'm not actually i just was trying to find an example that wasn't about suffering yeah. and taylor bruno, swift came to bruno mind. mars is probably a good one bruno mars i think like look yeah but do i think the other way to look at it is are, how do we do people associate an act like bruno mars with artistry in the same level that they might someone who is tortured there's this there's this level right. like in the in the retrospect right everyone loved robin williams fine he was so good so great and he is no doubt about it but if you look but looking back on it people have mythologized robin williams i think as it relates to the fact that he killed himself there's this tortured aspect of this man now that has forever changed the way that we perceive and value his work and that has elevated him in many horrible ways like in in the sense that look we all we all love it we all love him and it's great and it's sad but was his work better or worse without that knowledge like hmm. it it is it has changed the way and and i'm not saying that it shouldn't i'm just saying that it it frequently elevates right we take if you take into account personal suffering or personal pain it makes it from a pop culture like candy to you know pop culture of tiramisu or some other fancy fucking food item okay okay yeah i know what you're trying to say and you're right like there's this this is a deep-seated philosophical issue and forgive us for wandering off into the weeds on this one but i mean i think that's just to be just real quick i think that's that's in line with talking about bo burnham right i think there's a conversation yeah he But so what I'm trying to say is you're right. Like there is this, there's a mythology that comes with death. It's a Hitler was always evil. Robin Williams is a great man. George Washington was the savior of the Republic. We forget that they were human beings and they were complicated and difficult to understand. And to, and there is like the, the idea of they're dead. You can't speak ill of the dead unless they're really bad. (laughs) Even then, not really. I don't know. I don't even. I'm so sorry. I don't even know if that's death is a requirement. I mean, no, I think, no, it's not. It's think not. about yeah. Think about Beyonce pre. Okay, so Beyonce absolutely Spice shat- Girls time. Beyonce is not from Spice Girls. I know. I yeah. Destiny's Child. Yeah. yeah thank you. Because I'm from Houston. I immediately Ooh. got Henri about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was. I was making a bad joke. My I apologies. Gotcha, I, gotcha, I do I gotcha. know where she's from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she. She. I mean, she was already iconic. I mean, a, like an absolute icon. Absolute top of the top of the ladder in that in that genre in that field. But a certain level of appreciation or edge changed when she released the album about her husband being unfaithful to her. There is a, I think it is this combination of, oh, this is a real person, to your point. And also, I think less, more sinister is the value that upon which we place suffering and consuming suffering. Yeah, that and that's probably a unique, not uniquely, but definitely a 
a human experience that comes out of the concepts of, you know, Western canon, but also Eastern canon in the form of Buddhism is that life is suffering and we're, we're all just trying to get out of it. So yeah, but should we elicit joy? Well, no, I'm not sure we should. I think it might be similar to like the whole horror movie thing where it's like we derive a basic level of some appreciation or derive some pleasure of putting ourselves in dangerous situations, but being safe. So we empathize with these the suffering and we kind of get the, the endorphins off of it without actually having to experience it ourselves, perhaps. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's that's in line with like a roller coaster, like a safe way to elicit those reactions that maybe we don't we no longer face in our in our first world society or whatever. But I think another way to I think I mean, just apply it to like a Kubrick. His movies are great. But he was also a. I'm not. I don't want to say disturbed because I don't think that's fair. I. But I'm saying that Kubrick punished himself and the people around him to an extent because of the nature, the the relationship that he had with his art, and because of that, he is lauded more significantly than someone else who is maybe just as competent a director or a filmmaker. It is a element of the twisted part of him that makes him made him a mythology like a mythic person a mythic i like i mean like like moving away from kubrick staying in the film spectrum like a people start talking about like heath ledger or they start talking about yeah no you're totally right you've just piqued my curiosity at this point because i haven't really dived into the concept before or read much of the scholarship behind it but it just what is this fascination with suffering like is it just some sort of we all are seeking catharsis like we're all trying to make sense of the inevitability of death is it just tied to death like i don't understand maybe it imparts a level of validity to the art right there are many ways to spread not falsities but like our willingness to latch onto stories about famously positive people an example is like an actual i think something that's an actual example is like bob ross was in the army or something like that right people love to talk about that aspect of him in relationship to how positive, I say, I've been saying the word relation and relationship a whole fuckload, but in how positive it was, there was another thing that was going around for a long time about how Mr. Rogers was like a, like a paratrooper. None of that's real. He was not that at all, but people were chopping at the bit to have him have, have him being a tortured person somehow have suffered yeah like that the idea that he was tortured or the idea that he had struggled in a specific way and still created what he created was exciting or more was desirable in that look he was already top of the top of class robert williams was already top of class motherfuckers make a bunch of money changed a bunch of lives did a bunch of great art but the tortured aspect was exciting to people I think I found a pretty good example that explains this, unless someone can correct me. Heath Ledger, right? Did did anyone, like, fall all over themselves for his acting in A Knight's Tale or um, Ten the Things Patriot. I Hate About You or The Patriot? Or, I loved him in A Knight's Tale. Yeah, but did you, like... Was that, was that after he died? No! Sorry, Steve, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, but that was exactly uh, like, it. No, no, please, please do, please do. <laughs> Me and my mom, so there used to be like a little local movie rental place that wasn't like Blockbuster called Movie Doctor. And that was a movie we picked up, we rented it on VHS, and we loved it. Like, 
my mom bought the album, like the soundtrack of that movie. And I, that was also my um, first exposure to Paul Bentley, who, I mean, so many people in that movie turned out to be, you know, fantastic and show up and all over the place. But Something you really, it. but, but you really like Heath Ledger in that movie. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I think Paul Bentley is. No, Paul Bentley is far superior, but, <laughs> but, but because I don't know, maybe it's just the accent, but his personality was just so much more interesting. The point is, is my first exposure was the Patriot. And you know what? To Steve and Brent's point, I thought he was one of the most boring characters. His acting wasn't spectacular. You're talking and, about Knight's Tale still? No, no, no I'm no, talking, talking about the Patriot. Patriot. He was kind of a bored in uh, Yeah, in the he was the straight man to Mel Gibson's goofy person. If you know, that's the wrong metaphor. The point is, is that Mel Gibson got to experience the revolution from the point of suffering because his son was so idealistic. I, I, I mean, I think, I think I, I had to sip away for a bit. So I'm not sure if any of this got retreaded or not, but if this will be a retread or not, I, I think, I mean, like I anecdotally to say that he did good or was good before the suffering and was respected before the suffering became apparent is not uncommon, right? Just about Robin Williams. People can be accepted or, or lauded highly. It is that where was the fever pitch for Heath Ledger? Right. It was happened twice for him in my mind. It happened during Brokeback Mountain and then it happened again. And Brokeback Mountain even then was not nowhere near after he passed. And the, tortured aspect of his personality became apparent think about all right i'm not saying any of this is wrong per se but think about how disturbing it would be if one of us or someone you knew passed away and in the preceding six months to a year the conversation isn't one of like grieving but it is of it is like one of highlighting focusing in and hyper analyzing the pain that the person went through and and then in some ways using that dissection of pain as a reason to provide more validity or more interest in their art in their work or in their personhood if so, one of us goes and and this is this is stuff that I've done I've experienced on a personal level and again this is an anecdote it's not data driven science here but you know I have had friends of mine pass away who were artists in their own right and there's an element of i keep saying the word mythologizing but there's an element of like fetishization a little bit yeah you know like this a person passing away and all of a sudden all we can talk about is how talented they were and looking back at the talent that they had and all these other things that they did and how much more impactful that stuff is now that they're gone when the quality of that stuff hasn't changed now i'm not it's not to say that the quality of that stuff was bad before it isn't in a lot a lot of these cases part of what makes this stuff work in the way that it does is that these are very talented people who are producing very good stuff it is i think what i'm commenting on is it's part of the grieving process i'm not i mean oboe did millions of views sure but i don't oboe was millions of views on youtube when youtube was give, was millions of views was happening right i mean it's still happening now but the cultural zeitgeist the amount of conversation that is happening around inside or that happened around make happy these are elevated they are more more active as a function of the art being one that is indicative of pain or frustration or degradation of health. 
even why we are talking about it now. If Bo Burnham's special had come out and we just go through and edit all of the parts of it that are that are indicating or communicating some amount of struggle, maybe we are all like, yeah, it was a good special. We don't talk about the fucking I don't even know the name of this comedian, but the guy who's like was like was a went to Russia and is shirtless all the fucking time. Sure, like millions of people are consuming that fucking bit. I've heard it a thousand times, but no one's talking about how good it is, how perfect it is, how 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 amazing it is because it's not about suffering. There is no suffering there. It is like looking at the people that we laud, the people that we remember as the I like the peaks of their form, are the people who are the most tortured. And I think that there is a weird connection, a weird connective tissue or interest or desire in, in wanting to see people be unhappy or unhealthy or not great for themselves. And that being the art that we think is like, oh, this is doing something. Like if fucking Welcome to the Internet comes out without the tinge of bitterness or the tinge of pain, do we care as much? Is it as good? I don't know. Do you think there's an element of catharsis tied to it? I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like leaning away from that so much because I think catharsis, a, a, we've our modern, the modern concept of catharsis is so shift, not shifted from what it is, but just like there's like it goes in waves, right? Where we perceive catharsis as a positive thing or a negative, self-destructive thing. So I think I'm leaning away from it because part of me is still always trapped in the idea that we catharsis is representative as a as a net positive and the takeaway is like oh this is like this is cathartic and it, that is good part of what i'm thinking is happening is that it's like this is suffering and it is good it's less about the explosion of your own emotions through the media so much as it is witnessing it's not because like i think bojack elicits catharsis in me in some ways where, and that's why I shy away from it, is that there are parts of BoJack, I think, what, whatever whatever God or whatever luck there is, that the worst parts of BoJack are not represented in me. But the some of the worst aspects of his pain are. And it's scary, right? Because it is cathartic. I am realizing and experiencing that pain, and I don't want to be there. Whereas Bo Burnham stuff maybe elicits or has has some potential connection there but it is less it is less so in some ways and it is like i don't i can't empathize to the same extent that i can with bojack in some ways okay so so is it is it about is it about finding resolution of the pain that i that they're in the in the pain that is parallel or is it about i'm not sure if i'm able if i'm even equipped to come to a resolution statement about this well and that that makes sense because honestly it kind of sounds like you're still processing the emotions which i mean most of us are in a constant state of flux on that issue so yeah for sure yeah so it's wow bo burnham way to send us down the rabbit hole on the nature of suffering because <laughs> i mean like he, he clearly elicited it even if not for me i'm now deeply questioning my own position on these issues how you doing dane how you doing steve I'm just I, I'm going through like a, my own moment here of trying to reconcile what Brent has exposed to me. And I'm just saying, like, how's everyone else doing? I'm just checking in, seeing how we're feeling, how we're doing. Yeah, um, we're, we're all we're all fine here. How, how are you? Yeah, uh, yeah, hi, ho, yeah. Steve, what are, Steve, what are your thoughts? 
So I was trying to, I was chewing on the idea of human beings as like stimulation seeking innately and that that leads to that idea of like ideating upon someone's tortured inner state makes people feel sad or like adds a new dimension of feeling to things they already enjoy like say the disney animated aladdin or something like that and they're like oh robin williams was in that he was so funny but also now sad is it just the stimulation but i don't because i don't i think it's in this weird middle point between maybe a net positive working through your own stuff catharsis type stuff and also the other end of the spectrum which i would only can label as schadenfreude don't think people are experiencing joy at other suffering i think there is a venn diagram of pain and art and then the circles where they would cross over is just in bold letters the word quality there is something is inherently more quality because there is pain involved Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that was just competently made without suffering I just think maybe we have this association. I put a lot of time and effort into that, and that you know that 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 emotional labor, that physical labor. And so when we see another person having those labors, we connect those dots in our head of like, oh, they're very passionate about this project. But I also think there's, I think Steve talked about this before about how like uh, Robin Williams was like had like the manic thing going on, but Bo was like more open about that. I don't think. He would be as popular if people thought that he was sad like i feel like i think a lot of people still are like oh he's it's it's just his that's just his thing like it's like the rick and morty thing you know with tiny rick where mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm dying in a vat like yeah. this is not a dance I, I think there's some of that going on where it's like no i'm i'm really suffering here and everyone's like oh my god that's so funny i would, I would say just disengage the concept of popularity because I think another, let me just throw another example at you, Dane. Think about Fleetwood Mac and how competent they were as musicians. But the song, The Chain, that whole album is mired in suffering. The quality, the perceived quality of that has been adjusted because of the well-known suffering that is like baked into it. You know, Nickelback is popular and I'm not saying that they haven't fucking suffered. I don't know, right? But things are popular, sure, undoubtedly. But what provides validity or quality to that seems to be, from my perspective, a consist like a thorough line of identifying pain and, or suffering in relation to the producer of that art. So you're saying if you did like a double blind study and you didn't have people aware of that suffering, you don't think it would be perceived as as good? Is that what you're? trying to say yeah maybe maybe popular right equally popular but if i were to say this was made by a team and focus tested versus this was made by a person whose mother had recently committed suicide and they have they've battled drugs and and they're and they're struggling and and they've like like there's that that is what changes i think the quality aspect or if somebody's just happy and they're making stuff what provides that perceived happiness value often i will find when we're talking about quality as the metric it's like oh this person has struggled and now they are finding joy it is the struggle Mm -hmm. that provides the joy that they are presenting value 
Okay, so it sounds like I'm sorry. I I don't know if I'm just reading my own interpretation onto this, or if this is what you're trying to say, but I'm hearing that quality and suffering are linked to valualization, which kind of sounds like a capitalist interpretation of art. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, value as in dollar value or value quality as in, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm talking, maybe you're talking yeah. about per- personal value or do you I mean like, like it, it's hard, right? Cause what provides, yeah, I know, what is the, I know. What is the quality of what, something and yeah. what is valualization? Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get play at is like, are you, I, I kind of feel like we're not really talking about small indie art projects about the internet on your main street corner i feel like we're talking about big names and i'm just wondering if it maybe is tied to that that's just my interpretation like marvel movies are popular and competent but are they good like in the way that something else more mired in personal suffering is qualified as good right right? so what is quality what is value what are we talking about i don't know i'm sorry we're so far in the weeds on this one i'm lost so yeah i just think i just think it's like like maybe the marvel movies are a product Right. Mm-hmm. And something more personal is art. So w- wait, hold on then. Is Bo Burnham special a product or is it art that happened to be sold as a product? It's I think I think the perception of it is that it is art that is sold as a product. Okay. Because of the suffering aspect. Okay. And so art is a product when it's tied to suffering. Is that what I'm no, again, it's the, what do you it's, it's the opposite? It's product product is a product is art when it is tied to suffering. That's I thought that's what I said. That's what I meant. Sorry. No, no worries. Yeah, I think I think the perception of that is that that is the case. Yes, I think I think something. I is, don't disagree. It's just disheartening. Yeah. You know, I think I think, like... I think something is consumable. It is, it is music. It is movie. It is film. It is games. But here's another example: Call of Duty is a game. That is, and it's widely that popular. Is, that is art by function of some other metric that could be qualified as art. But is it limbo? Or is it that other fucking game where you are like pixelated and you you're you I fucking forgot the name. Braid maybe is that that is Braid is considered art. Braid is art. Call of Duty is a game, and both are art in by one metric, but by another metric, one is a product distilled of all human connective tissue, and the other is deeply personal, very painful, like comes from suffering. No, I get, I get what you're trying to say. I'm just, I just, I worry that we're actually trapped in some sort of capitalist dystopian argument about art and suffering and the nature of, I don't even know. I'm just, I'm worried that, that, that that's what we're talking about. You know what's fucking funny is that Bo Burnham has a song called Artist Dead. Right. And that's, I'm trying to get at is maybe not in the same way he was, but I'm just trying to say maybe art no longer, no longer exists in the way it did before late stage capitalism. Maybe everything is a product and we're just evaluating it, evaluating, qualifying it based on that capitalist standard. I mean, I, th- I, I think that, I think that that is not an unvalid, that is not an invalid point. I also think that art and its relationship, what makes something art, and, and whether or not there's personal tragedy or struggles is related to that is not unique to late-stage capitalism. If you were to look at, like, Van Gogh was my initial example. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, he... Like, Salvador Dali, like, you know, it's, it's, it, but, it is but a the, meme. But their paintings, their paintings, their suffering were sold in 
True. Mid-stage capitalism. True. But like the, it is a meme now, right? That your okay. art will not become valid until you die. And that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Is that actually a product of the art and the nature of art? Or is, I'm getting pretty far into philosophy. I'm going to stop. I guess when was art never a pro? When was art not a product? Is oh, are you kidding? When we'd have to isolate it, right? We'd have to isolate in that moment. It, well, not only that, but then, uh, sorry, again, stumbling into deep philosophy. What is art? What is life? Well, which is one? Which is the other? I don't know. No one knows. It's a constant cyclical nature. It's a, it's a, what, what, what's the name of the snake eating its own tail? Ouroboros. It's an Ouroboros. Like either one, you're just constantly going in the cycle. I would raise the question of when, what was the amount of time between the found between the devising of the concept of value and the assigning of value to art because i think that distance will <laughs> right okay. no yeah right? again i that's... said we're in deep philosophy yeah we're in well deep it's just philosophy. capitalism at some point it's the exploitation of value in what was originally like a, a winner-take-all feeding frenzy but once we were able to extract into a fiat currency and pass that sort of wealth through generationally anyway my question was the answer to the question when is art not a product and it is only when it has no value example so like if you imagine a universe back when everyone was a subsistence farmer and we had two adjacent farms gotcha okay and one day farmer a looks over at farmer b's sweet well-painted wagon and is like that is that i like that wagon that wagon makes me happy your use of colors and patterns on that wagon makes my brain release serotonin and there is no value to it right you're like i'm gonna go back to digging up potatoes or whatever right yeah but the capitalist argument is that uh it released serotonin therefore it has value i mean i think pay for it well no but that's but I know, cap- I know, I, I, I know. I think I know. capitalism, I think the struggle that we always find with capitalism versus other forms of existence is that capitalism is either natural to the human existence or it is the, it was the easiest thing for us to slip into as, as a function of what we were doing before capitalism, which was other forms, yeah, other forms of valuization and trade, right? I mean, I think that's also why it's so it's such a foreign concept to some people. Why 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 that is something we would shift away from? But yeah, uh, and that actually makes sense. It does. But back to art. I think yes. Back art. There is art that has no value. Uh, dollar in in the capitalist sense. But that art would I would argue would have some value in a non capitalist sense mm-hmm. by some, by the me- by the more nebulous metric of quality mm-hmm. and, uh, and which in, is a better term absolutely. Right, but it would no uh, longer be a product. In that, yeah, and I'm, but I'm not. I'm, I guess I'm not too worried about the product. I think what I'm what I'm also saying is let's 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 try to exist in a in a space where the capitalist aspect of this is 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 divorced, set aside. Yeah, right. Whether or not a, a piece of art has more quality if it is mired in suffering or if it is clearly communicating suffering. What is good? Like, let's just don't. We don't have to buy poetry books anymore. For example, they just exist. What poetry is good poetry? Is it poetry that is not communicative about suffering? Or is like Edgar Allan Poe, T.S. Eliot. You know, these are poets that are famous poets who are largely considered quality. And they all deal with negative 
or not joyous or existential like like existential crises right yeah but they all existed in early you've described early american poets i mean william shakespeare then why why is i mean look it's hard for me uh, to be honest with you it's hard for me. i know i'm sorry i'm just coming uh, from a historian in me is yeah yeah coming from a western also coming from a western educated western right it's it's a struggle for me to reach deeper past my the fucking the the version of history that has been provided me yeah right Uh, no that makes total sense i think i think a good counterweight would be something like native american ancestry myths or poems or oral tradition that exist outside of the capitalist for the most part system that they provide lessons and meaning beyond the meaning of suffering like the uh i mean communicating like communicating i think okay they have i mean that is that they provide there like there's a function there and there is a cultural beauty there but if you were to take one form of and this is something that we're going to all struggle with right if you were to take one form or one piece of native american art and compare it to another piece of or another form of native american art which would be more quality oh man yeah yeah i see what you're saying that like is a, uh, a tricky minefield yeah so like if you were to look at ancient indian poems like 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 epics that predate the impression of western culture or china or the chinese region or wherever else africa right what is perceived as better is it the ones where and i would say that if you just look at how predominant some of these aspects are in western culture or not it is the ones where there is suffering inlaid in the piece all of our fucking fairy tales all of our fucking nursery rhymes all of our all of the shit that's permanent that's long lasting can the get skinwalkers like, of the south american tri- or well southwest american tribes yeah so it's like all of that stuff is inlaid with a certain level of danger or pain or suffering or mm-hmm. something or that threat is threat or yeah. yeah and those and but these things i think what what why these maybe are less less conducive to the conversation that we're having is that a lot of the ones that a lot of these items are not as attributable to an individual True. Right. If we're talking right. about they, I think they then more relate to the nature of existence and and a shared human experience. But I, but Brent, that's what I feel like you've been driving towards this whole time is some sort of general collective unconscious, a a general push towards valuing I, suffering. But I guess I guess what I'm focusing on is that the value of something, the the quality of something, I should say, is increased when we're talking about a specific individual and their art when suffering is we think it is frequent to say that or like even if the art itself is not like laid with that pain we find it's like back to the validity thing we talk about or we're more prone to talk about people like dolly parton or whoever else because they've had struggles they are not privileged in certain ways they have not an easy they have not had an easy life and that is what gives someone validity that is like look at look at this this is real art as compared to someone who is just happy or who is just good at a guitar or good at painting it is when we look at we're we're frequent and i've done this too right you like you're like you're fetishizing their suffering to provide more quality or validity to the thing that they participate in it is better that people are unhappy or who struggled to for us to better enjoy or to better appreciate the thing that they make. 
you don't often talk about people who are like they grew up happy they never had to worry about anything like who's the fucking um, this is me this is me being a complete ignorant piece of shit but there's a guy who famously said maybe Ernest I think it's Ernest Hemingway Hemingway <laughs> a lot of qualities associated with that right one of the great american writers or whatever motherfucker had a was a, a was a piece of shit and had a tortured existence how much of the quality that is attributed to him is that aspect of himself if van gogh were to have gotten a therapist and bettered himself would we care as much or is it not one of the earliest talking points you've ever had that he like tore his fucking ear off and not that maybe he, the last 10 years of his life, he got his shit together and he was happy and he was fine, which is not the case for him, which is no, why I think he had no. long lasting, really long lasting cultural presence. Wait, Melu, Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't have anything else to say that I haven't said. Art is complicated. What you're saying is a deep philosophical question that I don't have the answer to. And I don't know if anyone does because the art historian isn't here. We don't have one. Hello. And so maybe but, Taylor Swift, to bring it back, is disincentivized to not talk about those things because those things are what associate or impart the sense of quality to her stuff. Hmm. Well, I, I, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, that was a that sure was a funny comedy special, right? From Netflix's darling Bo Burnham. Yeah, because I mean, like, I man, did we end up in? a very bleak space a bit but i mean isn't that what bo was going for in the first place oh, yeah like, fucking yeah dude i mean people people are using his song like look i don't fucking hold on hold on hold on dane dane it looks like you have a different opinion well i just think there might, might i think there might be some 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 notes of maybe postmodernism going on in here this idea that um only art through suffering I mean, what kept popping into my head while i was listening to you guys go back and forth was uh, like the cave paintings I don't think the there was, I mean, they, like, well, it was it art? It was art for the sake of recognizing, like, there's like, I think it's a gorgeous, have you guys ever seen the murals where like, there's like all the handprints, mm-hmm. like where they would blow the paint. I think it's this beautiful recognition of like, I am here. I existed. Again, I, I got to put, I, I want to push back on these cultural artifacts that are devoid of an individual. Because I'm not talking about how beautiful the Native American cave, they like carved homes out of these caves, right? I'm not talking about the wildness of Stonehenge, right? These are things that are not specific yeah, to but that's people. Why, but that's why I keep trying to say that you're trapped in this capitalist well, interpretation. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that like there... I also don't I don't want to I don't want to implicate or insinuate that the only forms of art are those that are associated to individuals who are then suffering. What I am talking about is if you were to look at a side by side comparison, what is perceived as more quality? Because those cave paintings, sure, beautiful, gorgeous. Right. But are they do are they in the cultural mindset at the weight and at the level of comparable pieces? Look at something like the Taj Mahal. Uh, gorgeous okay. how building. Do, how Perfect. do you feel about how, how something ascribed to an individual, a pharaoh, built by the hands of many, the pyramids? Right. What is that art? Is that 
is that based on suffering or is it a is, cultural artifact and also or, what or is the, it just tied to death i what, feel like yeah, everything's the, tied what, to death what are the talking yeah exactly what are some of the talking points about that right there's obviously the western racist form of it where it's like oh well, yeah yeah this, aliens the, built it because brown yeah, people if, couldn't. if we couldn't fucking do it how the fuck did they do it right there's yeah, that yeah, aspect right, of it exactly but the other talking points are like people had to fucking die to make those things happen. Taj Mahal same thing. The fucking rumor or the thing the Great talk, Wall of China. They, yeah, they cut him they he cut the architect's hands off. It is that edge. If everybody was happy go fucking lucky building well, okay, the Taj Mahal, okay, the Great okay, Wall okay. of China. Brent, I need you buddy. Your point <laughs> is a deep one. It is a confusing one. We don't have the answer. I love you. Oh, I just wanted to have a discussion, what, right? Tie it back to Bo Burnham. Please. I think, look, <laughs> if you haven't watched Bo Burnham, please watch Bo Burnham. It was pretty funny. It was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah, you like it? I don't think it was the... I don't, a lot of people are... are, are and I think my, so this is unfortunately related to what we're talking about. A lot of people are filleting it in a way that I'm not really prepared to. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was very good. I just don't think it was like a masterpiece, the greatest thing we've ever fucking seen okay. by Eddie Far of Means. Okay. I think it was and that, great. That's completely fair. Do you have a max score? Because I, I want a max score max after score. this because I, I need joy back in my life right I now. Do. I think it brought me about four out of ten maxes joy because maxes by my me- my metric are units of measurement of joy brought into my life. So there I'll say no, I'll say four out of seven because I, 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 I'd say more often than not, I thought it was funny. And the times when I didn't think it was funny, I was having an emotional reaction that wasn't like, this is shit. It was like, okay, this is great. sad. Great. Hey, Dane. Max score for Bone Burnham special. You know, just to say that Bo Burnham is doing all right. I mean, the, I don't know if you guys stuck around to the credits, but he donated it to his his long term partner at the end. I'm forgetting her name right now. I mean, he de- he dedicated it to. Yeah, but I yeah, I dedicated. You said, donate. you said donated. Oh, did I? Whoa, no worries. Uh, my bad. Yeah, I, I I Bo has always filled me with a great sense of happiness. I would say he he, if you will, he has made me happy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, but I think uh, I think he would certainly appreciate how we didn't just discuss you know how the funny bits and all that. I think he might have some appreciation for how we how we used it as a as, as a launching point to get into deeper discussions because I th- I do think he uh, kind of points fun of it in his in his some of his jokes about how he's doing it for money you know in this again capitalism doing what we Here have to, to to live. But I do think he genuinely um, appreciates the deeper aspects to art. So I, I, 10 out of 10 maxes for me. Oh, nice. Okay. So, hey, Steve, buddy, yeah. my pal. So I I would like to give it two scores. In terms of being a Bo Burnham with like a delightful sort of sublime parody, 7 out of 7. In terms of a Bo Burnham emotional climax makes me feel sad inside, I'd probably give it a 6 out of 7. It did a better job oh, of doing so like art. But it did less of a job. Yes. I don't know how to describe it. It did like like make happy's punch was I think it might have just been like more vulnerable. Like the difference between like Mark Marin's comedy and like Mitch Hedberg's comedy. Oh Steven. <laughs> yeah, I it I fucked up. I fucked up, guys. It's okay. It's okay. So uh, so, so six Burns and a half out of me. seven, call your congressperson. <laughs> oh man and so this has been your episode of deep deep confusion about the nature of art and uh 
just confusion. Pop culture cake is just wondering what is the nature of suffering and how does it tie to art? But uh, Andy Brent, Kaufman. <laughs> Brent, where oh, can they reach Jesus. us? We could all watch uh, Man in the Moon. Yeah, pop culture. You can reach us at popculturegeek at gmail. We don't share socials that often. Popculturegeek at gmail.com. If you like sponsoring the episode, you get to name. First, you get early access to an episode, and you get to name the next one or the one that you listen to, I should say, specifically. And other than that, you can also go to the website at popculturegeek.com. And that's it. Well, actually, I would like to jump in at that last moment and just be like, hey, Happy Juneteenth Eve, everybody. Congratulations. We finally made a national holiday. I know it's a symbolic victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. I'm so fucking worried about I'm so far fucking worried about the commodification of that. Like Yeah, no, it's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a thing. But at least at least they finally recognized it. So uh so Steve, what what gimmick are you doing this time? I, I don't know. I can't I think I might just have to say, oh, I've got it. I've got something. Hello and welcome to Pop Culture Cake. May I take your order? Uh, yes, this is Dane. I'd like uh, you just smeared over like a slice of bread because you look good enough to eat. I'm going to need to talk to my manager on this one. Hey, Brent. Brent, there's the, the guy at the drive through again. Yeah, just uh, let him through. I, I don't <laughs> What smear yourself? You gotta smear yourself. You gotta smear. The the customer's always right. I'm not gonna smear myself on something. Uh, You're just popping your mic. (laughs) The opposite of Dane's. I can't. Between the two of you, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to take our 10 minutes of recording and make this the whole episode. <laughs> just technical difficulties with Dane, Brent, and Steve. Could Welcome you, to could, Pop Culture Cake. Could you just loop Brent's laughter? Brent's laughter. <laughs> uh, it is pretty, it's pretty spectacular. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie.